Welcome into Hoopsville Podcast Preseason Edition. We hope you have enjoyed what we are putting together in this preseason, kind of jamming a couple together here in the very end. We'll talk about that in a moment. Our first um, episode was regarding the new officiating scenario in Division Three. We talked to the men's national coordinator. Again, if you tuned in for that, we mentioned we'll talk to the women's coordinator at some time, and we plan to. Uh, our first course of business to let you know we will be hitting the air officially with a 15th season debut on thursday november 16th at 7 p.m that's when these video interviews turn into video shows uh, we hope you'll enjoy, uh, join us for them tradition has it though not confirmed that we will talk to both number one uh, teams in the preseason d3hoops.com top 25 if you're not aware that would include whitman on the men's side and on the women's side it would be tufts We'll also hopefully talk to both committee chairs, either in that show or somewhere down the line. In the meantime, this is continuing our podcasts for the preseason. We hope to have spaced them out a little bit more. We were unable to due to a lot of logistics, but we're going to get a few of these in. A lot of news took place over the offseason. We've debated about doing monthly shows, and we may turn to that eventually, but this is a way for us to get some of this content out to you before we get into the season and maybe lose our opportunity to talk about this said content or using this content in the early parts of the season and then losing the opportunity to cover some of the major stories that are taking place or finding some happy media to do all of it in just two two-hour shows a week. Today we're going to talk about one of the stories that shook Division Three in some senses at, almost immediately after the championships as Pat Coleman and Gordon Mann conversed with me saying this might be one of the rare stories that knocks uh, the champions off the front page of D3Hoops.com. We will talk to Nancy Fay, who decided in mid-March to leave Wash U after 31 years and five national championships and take a stab at Division I, and not just any Division I program. She has taken over Illinois in the Big Ten. Tall order, to say the least. We'll talk to Nancy about the opportunity, why this was the right timing, the relationship she left at uh, back at WashU, and and the similarities and differences in the two programs uh, between WashU and Illinois. So that's coming up. We'll also talk to the person who took over for Nancy at WashU. Randy Henderson will come on board. You might remember Randy as having some tremendous success at Division Three before leaving for Division One herself, an assistant job. It was a very interesting mix of coaches who uh, were in the line for the Wash U job. I would argue Randy might have been the dark horse, but in hindsight, maybe she should have been the front runner. Uh, we'll talk to Randy about getting the job, coming back to Division Three as a head coach, whether this was truly the road that was put out in front of her or if she has taken a few roads less traveled, as it were. And then we'll stay in the central region, switch to men's basketball, and take a little bit of a, of a different turn and talk about another person who is back in Division Three basketball, back in the CCIW, Mark Scherer, who got hired at Milliken. Maybe a surprise pick for a lot of people. After Brad Nadelhofer left, I think a lot of people were looking at who could be the next young coach to take over the Blue Streaks. They instead turn to someone who has had a lot of success at, at the CCIW and had prior success at Elmhurst on a national level. And we'll talk to Mark Scherer about the reasons he's back in Division Three, the reason he was interested in Milliken, and what this means for the program and the CCIW. Milliken, this year, picked to finish dead last in the CCIW, but what does the future hold? So that's kind of what we're going to cover 
on this week's or this episode of pot of the podcast because we're actually going to release two this week later in the week we'll talk to a lot of the younger assistants who have taken over as head coaches a lot of them who have been in the mix for head coaching jobs plenty of times and are finally getting that chance so we'll talk about that coming up again you can always interact with us during the preseason and during the regular season on twitter instagram facebook and email our twitter uh um name is at d3hoopsville which it is as well for instagram so at d3hoopsville you can find us on facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville obviously our homepage is hoops d3hoopsville.com which you probably found already finding these podcasts you can always email the show hoopsville at d3hoops.com that is the way you can chat with us if you've got guest ideas etc etc we'll talk more about uh, the following news also in the in the preview show but once again a thank you to the WBCA, the NABC, for coming on board and supporting um, Hoopsville for another season. For the NABC, it's ninth. And, of course, for D3Hoops.com and our partnership with them and putting this show on the air. But, again, our debut will hit November 16th. These are podcasts in the meantime. And with that information out of the way, let's get to our interviews. And we will start with Nancy Fay of WashU. Or at least that's what we used to say. For 31 years, Nancy Fay ran the Bears as one of the best programs in Division III history. Five national championships. She has the second longest winning streak of any women's basketball program uh, in all of the NCAA, only surpassed by UConn. She chose in mid-March to move another direction. She had the opportunity to go up to D1, and we've seen this a few times. Scott Ruick, for example, moved on to Oregon State and has certainly had some success there, and we've seen some others who've moved on to the Patriot League and to other locations and certainly had their fair share of success. But this is a significant step. You're leaving the UAA and WashU in Division Three and going to the Big Ten. It is not for the faint of heart. And Nancy Fay decided to give it a try. Now heading to the Hoopsville Hotline and joining me there is now the Illinois head coach for women's basketball. Nancy Fay, obviously the former head coach at WashU, joining me here. And coach, thanks for taking the time to uh, to join me. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to visit. Absolutely. Uh, a little strange. Um, I remember when <laughs> the announcement was made in March, I definitely had to sit down. I, not something I saw coming, as it were. So uh, I think it's 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 great for you, but a, a little bit a little bit strange for us D three folks. Well, I mean, I had an incredible experience at Washington University, and that's never going to change. Um, I had to sit down myself, uh, so <laughs> it was an extremely tough decision. Um, the alumni, the university mean so much to me and continue to mean so much to me. I'll be following them extremely carefully. It, um, it just was something that um, a lot of things had to align. Um, and, um, you know, obviously I made the decision to make the move. Yeah, certainly things have to be in the right time, in the right place, in the right situation. I can see how all of this lined up. It's a school that's not too far from where you are anyway, a person in charge of the uh, athletics department that you certainly know and have worked with, and, you know, you've done a lot in Division Three. It just seemed like the perfect storm. Yeah, and I think the, uh, you're right. The combination, I, I am close to St. Louis. I still go back there. I have family there, um, the community, and as like I said, the university, uh, a lot of ties and a lot of friends. Uh, and also when you, when you make a move like this, you want to make sure 
and I was advised by a lot of people that you want to know who your athletic director is. And obviously, I had a unique situation where I worked with uh, Josh Whitman for um, you know about 18 months at Washington University. So um, coming here, there was a familiarity and a, an understanding of what his plan was, and that was really important to me. Uh, this is not something we're used to in Division Three in the sense of how um, how big a step we're used to Division Three coaches going to Division One, whether they be uh, smaller schools, um, and I don't mean that in a negative way, but the the Patriot League is certainly a favorite stopping point. Your former rival at Chicago is still at Bucknell, um, but obviously Scott Ruick and some others have made the big step. But the, the, still, it's a it's a huge step to jump right into the Big Ten. Was there any trepidation when you got the offer to go? Wait, I'm I'm really heading into a whole other you know pool here. Well, I'm attracted to challenges, and um, I think, of course, I think I have a great deal of respect for the jump that was made. But I also have a great deal of respect for the Division Three coaches I've coached against for the last 31 years. Um, I think that I've I've been there's just so many good coaches out there, and I I think when you get down to the basketball part. part um, coaches I've had to coach against, I have a great deal of respect, and I think um, I understand. Um, you know, I think there's great high school coaches, so uh, that that part I, I felt really comfortable um, in the preparation of all those challenges through the last time, last years I've had. But I think that there's there's inherent differences um, with the, whether the recruiting the um, is a big component of it. I don't think kids just showed up at at WashU. It's just as it is a different. Um, situation here at division one yeah i was going to say i mean you're obviously you were in charge of the WashU program and you're in charge of the illinois program and obviously you have your hands in as much as you could at WashU due to the nature of the setup and at illinois it's certainly not like you're sitting back and letting others do all the work for you but you have a lot more staff now you have a lot more full-time <laughs> staff what's been the difference for you in the sense of of understanding what you you can maybe let go of to some degree that in D3 you had to have your hands on? Well, it, that's a huge factor. You have almost two teams. You have your team, your players, and then you have your staff. And to delegate was probably one of my biggest challenges mm. because, like you said, we, we do everything. Um, and whether it's, I mean, I've... You know, uh, you, you just get your hands on the travel, you get your hands on uh, the recruiting, get your hands on practice, you know, you're meeting, you're shooting with kids. Um, it is different, but I also think that experience really has benefited me at this level because I have an appreciation for what everybody's doing. I'm not departmentalizing things. Uh, I, I, I know what it feels like to be on the road. I know what it feels like to sit and watch five films to prep. Um, so I, I think, and I think Scott Ruick actually mentioned that when I called him about this, is that in some respects it gives you kind of an insight that I think is unique for a Division three coach going to Division one. When you called Scott Ruick, was his first answer, please don't come to Division one. I know. <laughs> Scott, was, uh, Scott was wonderful. Um, you know, I think that what he's done at Oregon State is incredible. Um, I had great conversations. I actually, you know, uh, gave him a call. Um, and so it, it was it was really helpful. It was really helpful. Uh, obviously, Scott doing extremely well out at Oregon State has been very close uh, in the last few years to maybe even getting a national championship out there. What are the expectations, honestly, for you coming into Illinois? I almost feel like this is a decision that the Illinois fans, as rabid as they are, can sit back and go, you know what, there's someone good in place. Let's just give this a chance. We don't. Ha there's not like this expectation that things have to turn around immediately. Well, you're right. There, this is a uh, town, a university that is is um, excited about 
the basketball programs. Uh, you know, uh, Coach Underwood got hired at the same time I did, um, and there's a new there's a new feeling here. Uh, I, they they'll follow us. We got to we got to make sure we give them something that's exciting to watch. And right now, I'm just trying to check some boxes and making sure that. Um, we take care of things um, from just our hustle, how we play, our execution, um, and then just keep building the program. We, you know, continually trying to bring players in uh, to help us improve every year. But uh, you know, I, I, it is an exciting time, and it is, it is a time where they're they're um, they seem to to be really excited what we're going to try to turn around here. Uh, obviously, a lot of differences in the rules between Division Three and Division One. Won't go into all of them, but there's a few that I got to get a little chuckle out of. First off, uh, have you had any moment where you sit in the office and go, "Oh wait, I can go work with that player right now"? Well, I mean, also gone. I can't. Um, yeah, true. Have, true. There I mean, are limitations, I, but there it goes different ways. Yeah, it and the number of them um, is at times seems overwhelming because you try to do everything the right way because that's how we've always run our programs. And I'm like, oh, I, I didn't know that. Uh, um, and you're right, you can get out in the courts um, with them a little bit more, which has been helpful. Uh, I mean, just the support you get, you can appreciate from strength and conditioning to nutrition to the, you know, it's it, there's a lot of facets here that is very helpful. Uh, you're you almost have an advantage coming from WashU. You're used to travel. You're used to flights. You're used to <laughs> Bus trips, I don't want to say anything like they're similar, but you're used to maybe a little bit of a bigger budget to some degree. To some senses, this may be a little bit of an easier transition. I, I used to think that when people ask me about Washington University, I always said it had a very much Division One mm-hmm. uh, environment for its athletes, but um, was a strong academic and Division Three based philosophy academically, which I totally embrace. Um, and so that transition did help me because I think it did prepare me. Um, I always watch you always have done things, you know, and I've always appreciated it the right way, um, you know. And I think that if I would, I honestly. When I took this job here, I told them if academics is, does not mean something, I can't take it. But what's refreshing, it, it matters at Illinois. And if it didn't matter, I, I, I couldn't have made that change because um, the education does, uh, you know, after some point in time, that ball is going to stop bouncing for these kids. And when yeah. it does, I've got to serve them well um, and make sure they have a great career what, outside what, of basketball. What was the toughest part of the decision to walk away after 31 years and and five national championships from WashU? Um, it's the people. It always boils down to the people. Um, the people, like I said, I, I, my feelings to my alumni, um, I can't tell you how much I care about those guys. Um, and to the people I worked with at Washington University and the people that supported our program, uh, to just friends in St. Louis, um, it was without a doubt the toughest decision I've made, but I think that's a compliment, I hope, to the Washington University community that it was so, so, so hard. Um, and I hope Illinois appreciates that. I, I often say I can. I hope everybody can allow me to love two places. Yeah. Um, I know uh, when it comes to Mark Edwards, everyone basically considers you two a marriage. Uh, you guys have worked 30-plus <laughs> years together at WashU. I think everyone just kind of synonymously put you two together in terms of basketball coaches. And talk about programs that work hand-to-hand together. Uh, WashU certainly at the top of that uh, in sense of an example of how it can work. I'm curious what it was like to walk into his office and say, hey, either we needed a divorce or I want to live somewhere else. 
Well, yeah, it was pretty emotional, let's put it that way. But the one thing that, um, from the day I walked into Washington University, he had been someone I always could talk to, not only in a basketball level, but a personal level. And so when decisions came like that to walk in, and we had, you know, a conversation, you know, it's, it's, I'll probably never share, but it was one of those that, um, at a deeper level and a friendship level, that, um, you know, whether I'm here three hours away, I think that's always going to be very strong. So I still call him and bother him. So, <laughs> you know, I may not walk, you know, across the hall, but I, my, phone's, my phone still works in his direction. So I, I can imagine Mark picking it up. Hey, you're not here anymore. I'm not talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it it was quite like that. Um, yeah. I think we knew each we knew each other very well, and still do. Sure, uh, and I know because he's listening to the show, and I got to make sure that we get this in. I assume you do not miss the assistant uh, athletics director for communications, Chris Mitchell. Well, <laughs> love he does a great job um yeah we he, he does he was like i said he the quality of the people there yeah. and how how hard they work but no i, I miss chris too can so um uh, they're doing well there and i'm excited for their basketball seasons to start uh and great and great hire in randy henderson to take over that was certainly a sought after job I, I think you probably assumed it would be as well we'll talk to randy coming up here later in this podcast uh, any thoughts on the future of the program now that you've stepped away and it's now in Randy's hands? I am excited. I, uh, uh, Coach will, Randy will do a great job. Um, she has a Division three background in philosophy um, and has experience at Division one. I know the kids really, really like her. Um, I'm excited for the program. It's heading in the right direction. And, um, you know, it's going to be fun to watch the Bears this year uh, uh, from way, a different can angle. Let, can you can let us in on a secret? Who's got the higher budget, Illinois or WashU? <laughs> I don't know, honestly. Yeah, I, well, that's interesting, but that's also yeah, probably that good. tells you something. There you go. Yeah, it does. Tells me a lot. Well, uh, Coach, I, I congratulate you um, on the decision. Again, surprised us, but certainly well earned. I always called you the the Pat Summit of Division Three. I, I don't. I think we can still call you that in in past reference, but it's a little hard moving forward. But what are your ultimate goals with this job? You know. Um, I, I, my ultimate goals is, um, I told the kids the other day, we, we got to start, you know, we got to start acting like you're winners because you are. And that goes well beyond the confines of a basketball court. And I, we're working every day, um, you know, to just to be that, that program that no one wants to play, you know, um, yeah. that we're going to be tough on the court. But, you know, and take those, you know, set the goals so that um, we can we can achieve those daily and just get better every day we walk out. So hopefully that'll end up in some more wins. And uh, you know, like I told people, I didn't come here to come in second. So we're just going to keep working at it. I pity the Big Ten and I pity the rest <laughs> of Division One. They don't know what they've got their hands uh, in front of them with because I know Illinois is going to be tough with you there. Going to look forward to watching you guys. We will not lose touch with you. Uh, we will root you on from afar, as it were. Good luck. As you know, though, the tradition on hoops, so we always give the, the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuning in? Well, here's a shout-out to Division Three. All the coaches that are starting to prepare, games are going. I'll be watching you um, with great interest. And uh, go Bears. Very nice. Coach Nancy Fay joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline. Thanks again to Nancy Fay from the University of Illinois joining us. Kind of a little bit strange not to say from Wash U. Coach has done an amazing job in Division Three. I highly suspect she will be successful at Division One. To what extent? Who knows? But how cool would it be if it's Scott Ruick at Oregon State and Nancy Fay in Illinois facing off in a national championship game? It's completely possible. Scott has gotten his program darn close. 
And Nancy, I can't can't imagine not having that success. Of course, there's Yukon. They're going to ruin the party. So who knows if it will actually happen, but it'll be fun nonetheless. Nancy Faye has done a lot for Division Three. She's done a lot for Wash U. She is certainly synonymous with one of the best coaches and programs in the country at all divisions. Taking over for Nancy Faye is going to be difficult. There's just no other way of looking at it. The expectations are already high for what the program has done. They've only had one sub-20 win season for as long as I can remember. They are synonymous with winning. They are synonymous with doing things a certain way. And the team is always in the national conversation. Of course, five national titles will do that, along with a plethora of UAA championships. But two things are going to be interesting as we move forward. One, the UAA women's race is one of the deepest it's been in in a number of years. The last few years, we're used to multiple teams at the top fighting it out, and even the bottom dwellers, and not to be negative, are in the mix in some capacity. Even when NYU had an offseason, they were a team that people feared. So what should we expect moving forward with Wash U? They now have a new coach for the first time in more than 30 years. Randy Henderson comes into the mix. You might remember her success at Co. before she left and took over as an assistant coach under a friend and roommate of hers in Division One. Well, she's back, and she's taken over Wash U. And what do we expect of that? We find out now. Now joining me on the Hoopsville Hotline, the head coach for Wash U. For the first time, we're saying that in a number of years. It is Randy Henderson who has taken over the program, and she joins us on the Hoopsville Hotline. Coach, welcome to the show, and welcome back to Division Three. Thank you. I'm excited about both. Yeah, I'm sure you are. We should point out, again, for those who haven't listened to the podcast very carefully or anything, Used to be with the Cohawks at Co College, and then left uh, to go to Division One as an assistant. Now you're back in Division Three. Um, I guess in some senses, when I saw you leave, I was like, "Ah, oh, that's too bad." Really en- enjoyed having you in Division Three. Hope you'd be here a long time. Wasn't sure if you'd return. You you made your turn rather quick. I did. I definitely missed a lot about Division Three. I think it really fits my philosophy. So. Uh, I was happy to be back into it. Lots to get to, and so not necessarily any particular direction. Um, but let's start talk about coming back. So you were with uh, with uh, Co for nine years, and obviously a very good program there. Led that led them to much success. We've had you on the show per that success. Then you decided to, to take a, a stab at D one. Uh, left for Charlotte, where your friend and was it roommate? I think it was. Yeah, college roommate, yeah. college teammate. Yeah, was the head coach, and you decided to go in that route. What was what were your expectations when you made that jump? Uh, I think you know it was a couple of things. People had been saying you got to try Division One. You you know should go coach in Division One. Uh, I hadn't really had a lot of interest in doing it, but I think circumstantially with having my college roommate and longtime friend uh, providing the opportunity as well as just the opportunity she was giving me to coach and teach, 
uh, was just a good opportunity for me that way professionally. Uh, I think for our family, I just recently got married. Uh, we didn't have any children at the time. It was like now or never. Yeah, <laughs> if sure. I'm going to try it, yeah. uh, life obviously changes a lot once you have children. Now we have one with a second on the way. So um, it definitely was just a good timing, a good situation. I felt like I was going to grow as a coach, uh, learn a few different things, uh, just even in terms of the Division One setting, see if I liked it, see if it suited me, uh, see where I wanted to go from there. But I thought it was really a win-win. Um, but one of the toughest decisions I ever had to make was leaving uh, the co-team and the program that I was a part of there and the people that were there. So it definitely didn't come easy. No, oh, I'm sure. And, and no surprise that it would be a tough decision. Without sounding maybe cliche was it everything you expected it to be? Was it maybe a little bit more eye-opening than you expected? I, yeah, there's definitely. I mean, I played Division One college basketball, sure. and uh, it really wasn't something I had high aspirations to do as a coach. Uh, I actually didn't really ever think I would be a coach. So coaching has been something that kind of found me. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, I guess I went into it kind of just with open eyes, trying to learn as much as I could about coaching at Division One, uh, teaching the game, recruiting, all of that stuff. And there's definitely some eye-opening experiences, I think. There's definitely some learnable things. And then I think Division One just has to fit the type of coach that you are. So I guess the next question would be why back after just one season and why maybe why wash you is a little bit obvious, but why come back after just a season? Yeah. Well, I was actually there two years. Oh, and, two years. Uh, Correct. Thank yeah, you. That's okay. The, um, I wash you is a job that has always been appealing to me. Uh, I was, we were fortunate. To, I was fortunate to take my team to watch a couple of the final fours that Washu was playing in, and I was just really impressed with the players. I loved watching Coach Fake coach, uh, and their fan support was incredible. Uh, you know, it was just basketball being played at a high level and played the right way. Uh, I knew a couple of people from WashU, and so WashU was just always something that was a place that I thought, I would I would love a job there, but Coach Faye will never leave, so <laughs> that will never happen. We all thought that. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so when it did come open, you know, the, a lot of my mentors always tell me to have a list of places of jobs that you would want so you don't chase after everything, and WashU was on my list. Uh, so when the opportunity came open, I definitely <laughs> uh, was interested in pursuing it. I think it's a great school academically. It's in a great city. Uh, it's obviously a great program, uh, and uh, the support of their alumni and their fans is just outstanding. So, uh, for me, it was you know I was I enjoyed my time at Charlotte. I knew I wanted to be a head coach again. I didn't know where or what, but I knew that WashU was one of the top places that I would have wanted to. So sure, and and as you said, it's highly sought after. If you're interested, a lot of other people are interested. We knew of yes. other finalists. All have won national championships, or most of them yep. had. Um, again, I said in the intro, a little bit of a dark horse in the sense that I had gotten told that there were a couple D1 assistants, but usually when I'm told D1 assistants, I go, I'm not even chasing that. Uh, right. There's no way I can figure out what a D1 assistant means in the sense of a name. Right. Uh, and then all of a sudden, someone whispered to me right before you were announced that it was you, and, and the light bulb went off. I went, of course it's that makes sense. But when you got the call, what was your reaction? Um... Well, I was 
very thankful and surprised. I mean, I knew that the pool of candidates was extremely competitive. Um, and so, and the process was very in depth. They definitely vetted well. Uh, they took <laughs> their time and, uh, I feel like, you know, made the decision for whatever reason. Uh, I was fortunate enough to get the job. So I think I had at the time, uh, I was, just overwhelmingly thrilled, and then maybe ten minutes later, uh, realizing the magnitude of yeah, yeah. <laughs> the job offer and the person I was replacing, and um, the expectations, and probably immediately switch from uh, elation to oh my goodness, what am I doing? <laughs> sure, no, I get it. Uh, that was kind of where my question next was going to lead. Was how long did it take you to say yes? Oh, uh, not long at all. I mean, I had talked to my husband multiple times and, you know, we came on campus and it was amazing place, amazing people. And I said, if they offered me the job and you're fine with it, I want to take this job. And they, so it didn't take long to say yes. Uh, it definitely was a great opportunity for me. Sure. Um, not to belabor the point, but it's almost like someone in division one calling up and saying, hi, we'd like you to take over for Pat summit. Um, what you mentioned, Nancy Fay has been that 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 icon in Division Three basketball. The five championships, the the, the win streak, etc. What what was it like to walk into the office, as it were, for the first time? And what's it been in, like in the off season to either live up to not live up? That's a horrible way of saying it, but understand what this program is and expectations where where within. Or on the flip side of that maybe tamper down people a little bit and remind mm -hmm. them you aren't Nancy Fay. Mm -hmm. uh, well, there were several national championship trophies in my office hovering <laughs> over my desk. Great. So every time Great. I'm on the computer, I have a very steady reminder wonderful. of the uh, <laughs> wonderful legacy and expectation. Yeah, uh, no pressure there. <laughs> uh, but, you know, in this whole situation, Coach Fay has been super supportive. I've I've touched base with her multiple times. Her alumni have been super supportive. The school has been super supportive. I don't think anybody here is comparing me to Coach Fay. Uh, they want me to provide a good experience for these kids and help them grow as people and as basketball players and win games along the way. Uh, Coach Fay did a fantastic job of laying that foundation. I think most of the time I've been spending just getting to know uh, her people, uh, the people and why they loved her, what, you know, what made them tick, what they fought for, why they worked so hard, uh, just kind of understanding their why and helping propel that uh, into a new style of playing and a new, you know, dynamic of coaching and uh, just understanding that there's just so much respect for her. Uh, for her alumni, for the traditions, for the legacy, for the winning, uh, and just being respectful of that in the process of uh, connecting with these athletes and fans and alumni. We joked with uh, Coach Faye earlier in this podcast that we basically considered her and, 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 and Mark a marriage, uh, even though they weren't <laughs> traditionally married. But they have this – I mean, every basketball – Women, men's and women's program has some type of tight relationship. In the UAA, it just because of travel becomes a tighter relationship. Mm -hmm. And obviously Nancy and Mark have been one of the tightest that I think anybody can remember, considering they've both been there for 30-plus years together. What's it been like to uh, get to know Mark, and, and what has he been able to do to bring to the table to help you in the transition? 
Yeah, Mark is in- incredible. Uh, he's very supportive. He thinks of things that I don't even know I'm supposed to be thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, you know, he just is a really committed person to WashU, to the WashU way, to the kids' experience. Uh, and, you know, I think what has been really great about both him and Coach Faye and my conversations with them is that they both just say this is how it's been done but don't feel like you have to do this this is just the way that we did it or this is something that worked for us you know what are your thoughts about this or how can I support you through this Uh, Mark has been incredible I probably have called him or emailed him way more times than he's used to from Coach Faye oh who knows (laughs) Uh, yeah he's been hit yeah he's been great Uh, and I can see why uh, they were so close Let's talk about the team. Uh, you inherit, obviously, a great program, which always has great players in it. Um, I don't know if you're aware, since we're literally recording this moments after it's been released, but Madeline uh, Homily, second team preseason All-American for D3Hoops.com, among other great players on this squad. What are the expectations from your point of view for the season ahead? Uh, my expectations are that we work hard and we play hard and we win basketball games. I don't think uh, that would change no matter who I was coaching. Uh, and these kids are really committed to doing that, I think. Uh, I think we can win a lot of games. They've obviously got a lot of new things they're learning, but they seem to be on board with it and working together to do it. But, yeah, my expectations are that they play to their potential. Obviously, this is a program that wins 20-plus games nearly every year at the top of the UAA, UAA with Chicago, NYU. The UAA, at the top of especially, has been one of the fiercest battles and deepest uh, in a num- for a couple of years here. WashU, mm-hmm. NYU, Chicago, um, Carnegie Mellon even in the mix, um, and, mm-hmm. and others of the like. So you're entering one heck of a fray, as mm-hmm. it were. Um, you're not the top dog and only the top dog, as maybe you were a little bit at Co. Mm-hmm. Um, and you got travel ahead of you that you're maybe not as familiar with. Granted, in Division One, you certainly did your fair share of traveling, right. but this is a little bit different. How have you spent the offseason preparing for the season ahead? Uh, that's a great question. Preparing, you always prepare, I think, as coaches, but you're never prepared. <laughs> I feel like that's like the virtual cycle of a coach. Uh, you know, I've spent a lot of time getting to know the kids, just kind of paying attention to and asking questions about travel, about uh, with the men's staff here, they have so much experience with that. So I feel right. really fortunate that I'm not going to have to figure out everything on my own. Uh, I have really great support from them that are saying, like, this is where we stay, this is where we eat. You know, it's not uh, uh, a, a new thing for them. So for me, I have to just be kind of open-minded, you know, and see how things go. I'm kind of taking it that way this year. Uh, in our travel with the men uh, and in the UAA, just kind of experiencing the UAA for the first time. Uh, and in, in terms of the girls, they in, these girls are some of the hardest working girls I've ever been around. Uh, they are committed to coming in and shooting extra when they have time. They are committed to their studies. They are committed to doing the weightlifting. And, you know, they did a great job of preparing themselves for our first few practices. Uh, so I think we hit the ground running. Um, I should, of course, forgot completely to mention, mention Rochester on the women's side, who will be oh, yeah. preseason number one pick in the in the conference. Wash you a third pick behind 
Chicago. So it'll be another fascinating race. My only other question I have curiosities about is you knew the Division Three rules when you were at, at Co. Then you transitioned to Division One rules in the sense of when you can work with players, what's allowed, and all kinds mm-hmm. of other nuances. Now you're back in Division Three. I would assume the transition back isn't that hard for someone who's been a, familiar with it. But have you had a little bit of whiplash trying to remember which <laughs> rules you're allowed and which rules you're not? Yes, uh, definitely have used the Division Three rule book in our administration <laughs> for questions like, wait, I did this, we did this at Charlotte, but I don't think we can do this here, or uh, is this legal, or is this not legal, uh, recruiting-wise, yeah. you know, just even uh, involving players in out-of-season stuff, yep. if it's uh, just making sure that we're paying attention to their their time and being respectful of their time in the off season. So yeah, there's definitely been some uh, learning curves sure, <laughs> or maybe cobwebs <laughs> to dust off. And the reality is with the NCAA, the rules that I went with two years ago are different than the rules yeah. now anyway, including, you know, quarters and other things just about the game. So I think there's constantly change happening. Um, but yeah, I just, I'm, I'm just of the, the thought that this year and for my whole life, there's something to learn every day. And I want to be open to learning it. So I know I'm going to mess up. I'm hoping I can mess up moving forward. <laughs> Very good. Uh, and we should point out, even the recruiting rules have changed since you were in Division Three. Mm-hmm. They've, they've altered them and even opened them up a bit. So it's it's yep. always a moving target, uh, as it were, anyway, but certainly when you're changing divisions. Well, Coach, I could talk to you forever. This is a fascinating uh, storyline in the sense of, of taking over the program. I have a stinking suspicion you will not be a stranger to the show, just as Nancy was not a stranger to the show either. But I appreciate you taking the time to join us we look forward to seeing how the bears do this season ahead um but as always we give the coach the final word any final thought you want to share with those who may be tuning in uh, i'm just excited to be here really thankful for the opportunity and excited to be looped back into d3 and d3 hoops wonderful well congratulations welcome back and we look forward to talking to you soon thanks so much Randy Henderson, now the head coach of Wash U. She's back in Division Three, and we certainly expect the Bears to remain in the national conversation. Thank you to Randy Henderson for joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline to talk about the job she now has, head coach of the Wash U Women's Bears. Lots to talk about there. Expectations, the transition, how is she going to adapt on one of, as she put it, the most sought-after jobs probably in Division Three, certainly one that we've seen in a long time. I'm not sure if you could really look at almost any other job in Division Three and and call it as sought after as WashU. Amherst is certainly getting there. What GP Gramacki has done there has put it near the top of the list. I would argue the same is is now being said at Tufts. But there are a few other jobs that I think have the reverence, as it were, as WashU. And I know we bring this up a lot, but it is like in Division One, you being asked to take over the Tennessee program from Pat Summit. It will be what it'll be like to take over the program at UConn. Someone's going to have to do it. Randy Henderson is the pick at WashU, and I highly suspect she will be very successful there, especially considering just the support system in place at WashU that has been there, been developed by Mark Edwards and Nancy Fay that Randy Henderson will be able to take advantage of and then put her own signature on as well.
let's transition over to men's basketball, but staying with the theme of either leaving or re-entering Division Three. When Milliken had an opening and Nadelhofer had decided to leave, I was both surprised and curious. A surprise because I thought Nadelhofer was going to have some success at Milliken. He had shown some signs. The program looked to be going in the right direction, and then something went awry. It didn't work out, and so be it. I was curious, though, who would they get to take over? Was this really a sought-after job? And what were they looking for? Were they looking for some youth to have some long-term stay? Were they looking for maybe someone in the middle who had maybe a little bit more age, but certainly experience, but maybe wasn't going to be there as long? Or were they looking for something completely different? It turns out they were looking for something completely different than at least was on my radar. They were looking for experience. They were looking for CCIW experience especially, and they were looking for someone who had success. Another surprise out of the out of the mix comes a name, Mark Scherer. You might remember the name. He led Elmers to much success before stepping down in 2013. He spent four years in a different role. Now he's back to take over a Milliken squad that's chosen to be finished last in the conference this season. But what does that mean for the Big Blue? What is Mark going to be able to bring to the table? And should we see Milliken in the near future re-enter the fray, as it were, in what has become a very fascinating and complicated race atop the CCIW every single season? Well, we got a chance to talk to Mark. Now joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, it is Mark Scherer, head coach of Milliken. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville and welcome back to the CCIW. Thank you, Dave. Uh, it's been a little while since we saw you last, 2013, stepping away from the Elmhurst uh, program. Um, and now a couple of years later, we see you pop up here at Milliken. I'll admit, I might have been one of many who were, were maybe a little taken aback on, wow, I didn't expect Mark to, to be in the mix here, and, and here you are. Well, I'm really excited to be back uh, in coaching and create. Uh, think that you know, Millican University is a great opportunity, and, uh, you know, I just have a heart for coaching. It's what I love to do, so I feel very fortunate to have another opportunity. You certainly had a lot of, ex- of success at Elmer's. That's certainly where we got used to seeing you and, and trips to the Sweet 16 and, and whatnot in the CCIW. I got I to ask, though, four years later, what draws you to Elmer's, uh, not for Elmer's, but draws you to Millican? Well, I've always thought that the Millican program was a diamond in the rough. You know, Millican University being the southmost school institution in the CCIW, it's a great launching off point for recruiting. And uh, the, the campus shows well. It has a very big feel, the university. Um, so it's always kind of been in my back of my mind. And I'm a central Illinois guy. I always, I grew up here. I played basketball here, both at the, you know, in, in high school and at the collegiate level. And a lot of my best recruits came from this area over the years. So now uh, we recruit them to stay home, stay close to home, rather than to travel to the Chicagoland area. Yeah, Dr. Craig White, the athletics director at Milligan, pointed out that when they wanted they started this search. They wanted someone with experience, knowledge of the CCIW, uh, and obviously ex- recruiting in Illinois certainly has all of that in yourself, experience, experience in the CCIW, uh, and certainly the recruiting abilities. What would what did you do in the four years that you weren't in Division III? Um, I stayed around uh, higher education. I, I worked uh, as a development officer, uh, director of development at Eureka College, and then later at Illinois State University. Did that change your perspective a little bit coming into this next uh, go round, as it were, as a head coach in in the recruiting, being understand, seeing things from a different 
point of view on a campus? It really did. I mean, it was a great look into the interworkings uh, of in, an inst- you know smaller institutions and larger that you just don't get from an a- athletic perspective. When you're in development and raising money, you're very close to your alumni. Uh, you work very closely with the president of the institution. So having the opportunity to do that gave me a gave me some real insight into the big picture and the type of things that an institution is trying to balance, you know, in their efforts. So that was very valuable. We should also point out you were interim athletics director, I believe, at Eureka for a short period of time as well. So you certainly get to see more of the red tape administrative level of things for sure. When you look at this Millican squad, um, I think things fell a little short. I think that many expected under Coach Nadelhofer prior to you. Who knows why? There's hundreds of reasons. What do you do now with this program, though? You take over one that has had high expectations that haven't come through, maybe maybe a little bit disorganized in the sense of who knows who's staying, what the recruiting statuses are, and whatnot. What do you do now moving forward with this program to get it back engaged in the CCIW? Well, that's a great question, Dave. And, you know, I've always coached from an inclusive perspective. And so one of my uh, biggest goals um, when I was – when I uh, took the head coaching position for the Big Blue, was to uh, help the players that were returning feel included, feel valuable in the program. And so I'm very happy that we've uh, retained 11 of those players. And so uh, we have 11 returners. I really feel like uh, Milliken had a good core group of young players, but with the emphasis on young, you know, it's hard to win in the CCIW and in college basketball um, as a whole with freshmen and, and a few sophomores, and that's basically uh, the, what the situation was uh, in previous years. Um, but they're a talented group. They're a hardworking group. They have great hearts, so we were able to retain 11 of those uh, players. We brought in seven transfers and two freshmen uh, who have impacted the program. And so we have kind of a new mentality, uh, a new um, outlook on on the game, and I feel really good about the direction we're headed. You had a lot of success at Elmer's, and and fascinating enough, after you left, that success continued on. Obviously, in the last few years, they've been at the top of the CCIW conversation, and even nationally. You had nationally ranked teams when at Elmhurst. With that experience... With that understanding and with you being on board now at Milliken, is it unfair to maybe have lofty expectations of where the Big Blue can go? Or is this one of those things where, you know, give you some time and and maybe don't have expectations so high? Well, um, give give us a little time and have high expectations, you know. A Milliken is a traditional power years ago in, yeah. in the CCIW in men's basketball, and I see no reason that shouldn't con- continue or, or we shouldn't regain that status. Now, in saying that, it's a very competitive league, as we all know. That's what makes it so fun, uh, fun for the players, fun for the coaches, fun for the fans and the students. So I don't know if you're going to see any team, uh, you know, be at the top of the CCIW year after year. Certainly, uh, Augustana has done really well recently, uh, you know, being in the top group, but even them, you know, dropping back and forth. And and you're just going to see that cycle happen in our conference. But 
I believe Milliken can be one of the uh, teams that is talked about when you're talking CCIW men's basketball. That's our goal. I think we'll take a nice step forward, and uh, although it will take some time to develop that consistency, um, no one is more impatient uh, and (laughs) gung-ho than I am. Uh, You know, Dave, I was very fortunate, in a sense, to have four years to step back and reflect on my coaching and reflect on, um, you know, my career, reflect on the things that we did uh, offensively and defensively, so uh, and, and then get another opportunity in the same great league. So I think that's been really valuable in my approach and uh, my approach towards students, toward young student athletes, and it's helped me kind of get both get re-energized and and also help me uh, connect with uh, the new generation of players we have today. Yeah, certainly a new perspective and time away I've seen has helped other coaches, and you hear other coaches talk about maybe getting that opportunity. So it's great to see that, well, we'd love to see where that takes you and the program. Milliken, no high expectations in the CCIW, received the minimum amount of votes possible in the preseason coaches poll to finish in the ninth slot. And you mentioned Augustana being the number one picked team by the coaches. What's it going to take to get Milliken competitive again in the CCIW, is it going to be recruiting? Is it going to be a change in philosophy? Is it going to be um, maybe some of the others coming back? Combination of both. What What are your hopes to do to get Milliken back and competitive? Well, you know, certainly there's a talent level. Um, I think that any team in the CCIW that's going to compete toward the top half of the league is going to have a good cross section of seniors, juniors, sophomores, and freshmen. So we have to get to the point where we have a great, a solid cross section of players. Uh, we have to have the talent. And then, uh, you know, there's just certain things that win college basketball games, especially on the road. And once your program falls back a little bit, uh, your kids kind of, uh, you know, they're cycling through and you kind of lose touch of what that is. Uh, but I'm a system coach. You know, we're implementing a system that is proven successful. Uh, we're really embracing the local high school coaches and uh, the local high school talent. Uh, we're going to bring a lot of good players in and a lot of good freshmen uh, that believe in what we do. And, and I think you're going to see steps for Millican University this year. I mean, I, I, I believe we'll be very competitive in the CCIW. Uh, I really do. I know you didn't have entire control of the scheduling uh, in this upcoming season, but looking at it, it definitely breathes to me as a reconfidence builder. Being able to play teams that maybe you should or can beat, gain some confidence from that. You'll also have your tests outside of conference, conference uh, the likes of Platteville, for example, out in Colorado Springs at a tournament, mm-hmm. uh, and some and Rose Holman coming out of each HCAC, among others, before CCIW play. Does is that the oh, the right mentality going in for you guys? Is hey, let's rebuild our confidence to some degree. Right, um, definitely. Uh, in saying that, you know, you, the reason you play the game is because anyone can win. So where we're at, we have to be very humble, Dave, and we have to come into every game knowing that we have to work harder than our opponent uh, in order to win. Yet we we want to play games that if we do work harder than our opponent, uh, the, the it, it's very likely we'll come out on top. And so that's how we designed 
uh, the non-conference schedule, along with some tests of some traditionally very strong programs. And that's an advantage you have uh, coaching in the CCIW is that it's like the Big Ten. You know, there's some non-conference games that you you look at and you think, well, if we play our best basketball uh, there's a good chance we can be successful, but yet you still play and and you see teams in the Big Ten and the CCIW not be successful. So we have to be humble and take care of business and, and play good basketball. You touched on this uh, beforehand. I'll quickly kind of go back to it. Going through this preseason and up to the first games coming up here soon, what's the difference in your mentality or at least the, the, the process of getting ready this time around than it was in your previous incarnation at Elmer's? Well, uh, you know, you can get caught up in the X's and O's and, uh, you know, forget a little bit about the Jimmys and the Joes. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, my focus is, and this really, the, my work and my experience in development and alumni relations really helped that it's all, and not that I didn't always put my players first, but to take time to be in relationship with your players. I think that's what always has been important, but I think it's so critical nowadays uh, to communicate with your players. You know, they're on social media, and they expect a high level of communication. And as you become more mature as a head coach, I think there's advantages to that as far as experience and and knowing what to do in certain situations. But you have to spend more time uh, with your players. And so that's really what what I've refocused on and I'm committed to. And it's paying off by us really having a great team chemistry and playing hard together and having fun. Well, we look forward to uh, the Big Blue hitting the court for the first time under your direction. Obviously, that will be coming up on November 18th against Finlandia. In the meantime, tradition here on the show, we always give the guests the final word. Thanks for taking the time to join us, but do you have any final thoughts to share with those who may be tuning in? No, just just I'm very excited to be back. Uh, I consider it a great opportunity to be at Millican University. I feel very fortunate to have another chance. So we're going to work hard and play hard at Millican, and uh, would invite the fans to come watch us play and or or watch online and take an interest in Big Blue basketball. Uh, we're going to give it our best every time out. And appreciate you, Dave, and what you do for for uh, all of college basketball, but especially Division Three basketball. Well, thank you, sir. Appreciate the kind words. Great point of view as well. I enjoy chatting with you. Hopefully we'll talk to you sometime down the road, and good luck in this season's campaign. Thank you, Dave. That was Mark Scherer, head coach of Milliken, formerly of Elmhurst, on the Hoopsville Hotline. Once again, thanks to Mark Scherer for joining us on the Hoopsville podcast in this preseason. Good to chat with him and welcome him back once again to Division Three, Fascinating to see what Milliken's going to be able to do here. Again, pick last with the minimal amount of points available uh, in the CCIW. They're going to have some rebuilding, retooling, kind of redeveloping of this program, unfortunately, for Milliken, which feels like they've gone through this a few times. But I think the future is bright. I think Mark Scherer certainly brings a different point of view to things. He certainly has plenty of success and experience in the CCIW and on a national level. And it could make the CCIW men's race just a bit deeper. Of course, the CCIW men's race is already going to be dominated this season by Augustana, who's a preseason number two. North North Central, who's in the preseason top 25. Certainly Carthage and Illinois Wesleyan will return to the fray. Uh, As a top 25 voter, I certainly consider them quite a bit. 
Elmer's wasn't picked very high by the coaches, but they certainly could make uh, things interesting along with everybody else in there. North Park, a little bit of a curveball, um, but we'll see what happens. Uh, the CCIW race is going to be one of the more thrilling ones to watch for sure, and let's just predict this early. I don't think we're going to get an undefeated season in the CCIW men's race, but then again, that's about as easy to say as saying I, I don't think everybody makes the, the NCAA tournament in the first place. So that's going to do it for this preseason podcast. We still have two more ahead. Uh, one will come out later this week and one early next week. The one ahead early this week will be talking to longtime assistants or young coaches who have finally made the transition into a head coaching job. We'll talk to them about the perspective, about that transition, about the experiences that they have earned, and obviously or for most of them, I should say, uh, former players themselves as well. Then next week, we'll talk to a bit of a hodgepodge of coaches, coaches who have had uh, different experiences and finally getting a head coaching opportunity um, or have made some type of transition themselves. Well, those are the what to look for ahead. Again, a reminder that we will be back on the air with Hoopsville uh, to start the new season in the video form, as we traditionally do, the season debut will hit on Thursday, November 16th, the day after the season officially starts. We will do our best to get you ready for the season by talking to hopefully the two number one preseason picks along with others and try and break down what's happening. Uh, we'll have about eight or nine shows before the Christmas holiday. Then we'll get back into our normal flow of shows throughout the rest of the season, but certainly more to talk about down the road. You can always follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at D3Hoopsville for Twitter and Instagram www.facebook.com slash hoopsville for Facebook. Of course, our website is d3hoopsville.com for more information. And of course, you can always email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. Again, another one coming out in a few days as well. Thanks to our, our guests, Nancy Fay, Randy Henderson, and Mark Sharon. And of course, the sports information directors who helped us put these guests together as well. We'll look forward to seeing you back here in a few days for the next podcast and look to have you back joining us on November 16th as we kick off the Division Three basketball season for 27 and 2018. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you soon. Copyrighted broadcast of Hoopsville is a property of DMAC Productions and David McHugh and is intended solely for the private, personal use of our audience. Any other broadcast, rebroadcast, or other use of the descriptions and accounts of this show without the express written consent of Hoopsville and DMAC Productions is strictly prohibited.